Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Arajra, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of, all of our work, excuse me, at textfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. If you're not already, become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. And by the way, uh, obviously it's been it's been a little bit of time at this point, but we keep getting pictures in of, of uh, stores being stocked with our magazine. It's still, you know, even a month after the fact, it's always a, a cool feeling for us. Uh, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson on the call. Ish, have you, uh, have you run into our magazine in the wild as yet? Uh, yeah, I have. It's always a cool, always a cool sight to see. But uh, yeah, now that it's officially everywhere, we can confidently say we're always we're always cautious about when we start saying it's in stores because obviously it kind of just it's a trickle effect. But I think we can confidently say, yeah, it's pretty much everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I'll tell you what. Uh, I mean, when when I work for a magazine, right? People are kind of like, all right, you know. What what is it, right? Especially people from like out of state. But when they see that magazine like on bookshelves in the store, that's that's I think yeah. the moment where they're like, oh, you're like a real sports writer, like you actually. Right. Do this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but if you haven't already, make sure and pick up a copy. Uh, again, the best way also to get a copy is to get it mailed straight to your house at textfootball.com/slash/subscribe. Uh, the other thing I'll say is. Some weeks, especially during the off season, uh, it can be a little tough to try to plan shows, figure out what we've got going on, and mm. this is not one of those shows. <laughs> a lot has yeah, changed. Ton, tons of, just tons in the of last conference. Week. Yeah, tons of conference news, tons of uh, division news. Um, just uh, yeah, it seems like the past couple weeks have been kind of like you know us kind of. Uh, talking about our own content you know whether it's the top 50 players or something with some covid news but then all of a sudden every i don't know if they just started listening to us where they said hey decisions <laughs> kind of need to be made and all of a sudden everybody started to make every decision <laughs> at the same time yeah and before we we kind of really get into it i mean you mentioned it's kind of unbelievable that it took until the first week of august for these decisions to start coming down because look when it's March, I understand the thought process of, like, let's wait and see. In April, you know, let's wait and see. Mm-hmm. When you hit May and you're like, all right, we got to bring kids back to campus in June, that's when you should start thinking maybe we need to think about this. Uh, when yeah. kids come back in June and July and there's just crazy num- uh, numbers of cases, that's probably a good indicator that you need to think about this. But then mm-hmm. here we are in July and August, and, and now all of a sudden conferences are like, well, let, let's take the first step. Let, let's push it back even right. more. Um, you know, and, and we can start with the Big 12. I don't remember if we talked about the SEC last week. I think the, the ruling might have come down right after our show, actually. So we'll talk about the Big 12 and the SEC real quick. Um, so the SEC uh, came out first. I think it was on Thursday, actually. And on Thursday... They decided that they're going to play a conference-only schedule, a 10-game conference-only schedule, uh, which means that all of the non-conference games are off. Texas LSU is off. Baylor Ole Miss is off, uh, which is a disappointment. I mean, obviously, we would have loved to see some of those games. Um, But the other thing is that they're moving to a 10-game schedule, so that means that Mm -hmm. all the schools in the conference are going to play the eight that they had originally scheduled plus two more. Um, And looking at at Texas A&M, I mean, Texas A&M kind of got the worst of this. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Well, originally they were they were scheduled to play Colorado, North Texas. Uh, who else did they have in non-conference? Uh, maybe ACU or something like that. Like, you know, their, their non-conference schedule was very manageable. Uh, Fresno State was one of the others. 
And now they're going to get at least two more teams from the SEC East. And they already had the two easy teams from the East on their schedule. So they're probably going to get Florida. They could get Georgia. They could get Tennessee. They could get Kentucky. Like, there's no scenario where this works out better for them. Yeah, seriously. I mean, this was supposed to be the year that they had the, you know, where they where they had a manageable schedule. Um, obviously, non-conference played a part in that, but also their draw in the SEC was a lot better than previous years. And now they have to probably add that back. <laughs> right. And in the days afterwards, so, so we talked about this a little bit last time, but... Um, but, you know, the Big 12 was really dragging their feet on this issue. They didn't want to seem to put out anything at all until they knew for sure that, um, that you know, decisions had been made. So they were the fifth conference to come out, and they've decided they're also going to play a 10-game schedule. Their nine-game uh, their nine game round-robin conference schedule plus up to one non-conference game. Um, and, and so the Big 12 and the ACC are the only Power 5 leagues that plan to play non-conference games. And, mm. you know... Looking at the landscape of of not just you know Big Twelve schools, but looking at the group of five teams and also also the FCS teams that had games scheduled. I mean, what kind of impact do you think yeah. this is gonna have uh, on all of those teams as they try to put together budgets and put together schedules? I think it's gonna force them to kind of more or less do the same, right? I mean, we still have, we still don't know what in the FCS we still don't know what the Southland's gonna do. Um, but now, you know, Incarnate Word loses Baylor. Um, obviously, there's other uh, schools that lose money games by the just kind of a domino effect. Um, and then you look at the group of five and, you know, uh, La Tech loses Baylor. You have UTEP or, or UTEP probably is going to lose Texas. Like, I don't, or maybe not. I don't know. They have to choose. Like, right. Texas has a decision to make on their hands with their non-conference uh, scheduling. Um, UTEP might lose Tech or Texas. Like, it does, you know, one of those schools is going to have to probably uh uh, knock them off the schedule um, and I think it's going to kind of force those group of five and then FCS conferences to more or less shrink down to conference schedules themselves because they're going to be the odd man out on a lot of these uh, decision making by the by the Big 12 and by the SEC. Well and one thing that we've seen um, you know group of five conferences have been pretty slow in coming out and, and labeling their plans but the, the first major domino mm-hmm. fell today and that's the American Athletic Conference, you know, kind of considered to be the, the sixth conference in a lot of ways. Um, and mm-hmm. they've decided they're going to play their eight-game non-conference, or their eight-game conference schedule, excuse me. And they're basically going to let teams have discretion over whether they play non-conference games. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that the way that they formatted this and phrased this is actually, uh, I feel like it kind of gets right to the heart of the issue, whether or not they kind of realize it, which is, mm-hmm. look, we want to play a conference schedule, but go get your money, right? Like, yeah. that's that's kind of what this is at the end of the day. And the Sun Belt did something similar. They didn't say you had to have any number of games. They didn't say you didn't have to have any number of games. Um, but, you know, I, I think that you look at these group of five conferences, and same deal with, a, with I think, the Southland is, is a good example. You know, a lot of them are just waiting to see, like, can we get these games? Can we get these payouts? Can we have these environments? And, and. Actually, I think that one thing that's going to be really interesting is you mentioned uh, Baylor's non-conference schedule. Baylor has two non-conference games that are still left scheduled with the Ole Miss game officially canceled. Like you mentioned, Louisiana mm-hmm. Tech and Incarnate Word, they haven't actually announced which game they're going to go with, right? So right. so the the um, ruling from the Big 12 came down, and they said that it has to be a non-conference home game. So for Texas Tech, that did potentially knock out the UTEP game unless they can reschedule it to be a home game, which is 
possible, but we kind of have to wait and see. Um, but, but yeah, for Baylor, they have those two options. And I'm actually really interested to see from a Big 12 school perspective, which schools do they prioritize? Do they prioritize a school like Louisiana Tech where, you know, obviously you're uh, playing a slightly better opponent, the payout probably is just a little bit less, uh, you know, as opposed to Incarnate Word where, where you know, you're playing an FCS school, you're kind of throwing away a, ga- a game on a 10-game schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's going to be interesting to see. And, like, we already do kind of know that, that Oklahoma is likely going to keep Missouri State, right? So that sets a precedent yeah. that that FCS opponents will exist in this world as long as the FCS keeps going. But, but I don't know. I mean, do you think that Big 12 schools will... I guess try to fill those games with with best available, or do you think that uh, like what what dynamics do you think are going to go into deciding these games? Yeah, that's I mean, I think that's a good question because when you have something like, well, I think I think proximity is going to play a, little, a part into it, right? And so I think Texas is going to gravitate more towards UTEP over U- USF um, naturally. I think. Well, we uh, TCU and SMU have already called it off, right? That that's officially or Correct. more or less officially like next. Okay, so I mean, despite the fact that SM you know came out today that SMU has the discretion to schedule something against TCU, you know, for the first time in what or the second time in like a century or something, they're not playing. Basically, it's been a while. It's it's there was it's been once a while, in two thousand six, so. and then there was yeah. uh, the death penalty year, and I think they basically played every other year than that. Right. So it is going to be. You know, so uh, geographically, that one would more or less make sense, but obviously that's not happening. So I'm curious to see what logic TCU goes with to schedule, you know, like, a, I don't know, because they, uh, they lost Prairie View A&M as well. They lost Cal. So, like, you know, I'm curious to see what logic T- a program like TCU goes with um, or if they just, you know, decide to not have a non-conference um, at all. Right. And And the one thing that I'll say is that, I think that Texas UTEP is a total no-brainer, and the reason for that, too, is that the payout will stay in the system, right? Like, it'll stay in the UT system, and I'm curious to see whether some of these other schools, like, again, with with Baylor picking between Incarnate Word and and Louisiana Tech, now, at the same time, like, Incarnate Word is a private school, it's not necessarily, you know, helping the state of Texas system so much uh, in in the same way, but, like, do they prioritize trying to keep some of that money in state? You know, TC, one of the, the schools that has kind of been rumored is is UNLV, right? And like, yeah. okay, you know, now that there are sort of these decisions coming out and it looks like basically every school in the state of Texas, if not, you know, every group of five school in the nation is going to have an opening. Does that mm-hmm. calculus change now that they can get North Texas, now that they can get you know, UTSA or, or whoever else, right? Like, I'm curious mm-hmm. to see whether those, uh, whether that ends up being a factor. Because again, I think that the Big 12 and, and obviously the ACC on the East Coast, but, but specifically talking about this area, I think the Big 12 in a lot of ways is going to dictate and get to dictate whether FCS feels like it's important and viable to play, right? Because I think that if, if these mm-hmm. games are canceled and the, the payouts sort of don't happen, I think that has a trickle-down effect where, you know what, it might just make the most sense for the FCS to push to the to the spring like a lot of other leagues are doing. Right, definitely. Or if you're in the case of uh, uh, Texas State and SMU, you can just move up a week or so just because right. that was a thing that happened also last week. Right, right. And, you know, the logic behind um, that and behind the Big 12 uh, also allowing teams to move to Week 0 games and, and also just mm-hmm. kind of clear out their schedule is that 
the more bye weeks you have, the more opportunities you have to reschedule, to adjust. You just mm-hmm. have flexibility, right? Like uh, I think that I think that counting week zero up to the last uh, available date for the Big Twelve championship game, which was December nineteenth, between all those weeks, you have seventeen chances to try to play ten games plus the Big Twelve title game. So the hope mm-hmm. is that over the co- course of all of those weeks. Um, that if you have to make adjustments, if you have to reschedule, um, and, and fans will likely not be a huge consideration because we just don't know at this point what's going to be allowed. It, it went from 50 to 25% real quick, and, and mm-hmm. who knows if we'll even get to stick with that. Um, but, you know, I think that having that flexibility is going to be a big deal, and the hope, you know, for everybody, but, but especially the Big 12 Conference, is that that gives them enough time that they can adjust on the fly and figure things out. So... Let's go ahead and move down to the small college level because things are getting pretty wild down there right now. Mm-hmm. So um, I wrote a story today on textfootball.com. Uh, it's about sort of the difficulties that small college teams are facing right now um, as they try to adjust through all of this. I talked to, to Clarence McKinney over at Texas Southern to get his perspective on the SWAC moving to the spring. Uh, same with uh, Jesse Burleson at Harden-Simmons on on the American Southwest moving to the, the spring. But a pretty big landmine came down today and that's that division three is not going to move its championships to the spring. Like a lot of people thought they would, they're just canceling mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And um, look, we, we knew it was a possibility. Uh, you know, the question for a long time was, should they move to the, you know, should they move from the fall to the spring? Because almost every major uh, division three conference, in fact, basically every division three conference, I think there's only one left has moved at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, for Mary Harden-Baylor, for Harden-Simmons, for Texas Lutheran, I mean, they're not going to have a chance to make the playoffs. They're not going to have the chance to to try and win a national championship. And honestly, that's kind of sad. Yeah, it is. I mean, it makes you wonder, like, you know, when the NBA was announced, people people were already talking about, like, asterisks and, like, how do you interpret this season? And, you know, whenever uh, a champion is crowned. But, like at least they're having a championship of some right. kind, right? You, we can we can have the argument about legitimacy and all that, which I think is dumb in general, but you can have that discussion. Um, I don't know how you interpret, like, a 2020 or a 2021 spring season or uh, with, no, with no championship, right? With no centralized, you know, if you win the Lone Star, do you win, you know, is that a, is that a championship? You know, I mean, it is in, in general conference championships are championships, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like if, right. You're, if you're like, if you're, if you're Mary Harden Baylor and you storm through their, your conference, like, okay, cool. Like, is it, and that's it? Like, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, cool. What next? And it's like, oh, nothing. Right. It's just kind of like, all right, cool. I guess right. we just, we just played football. <laughs> right. Well, and, and actually that is a good point because, um, you know, I mean, I guess my thought process was the idea that, like, there just might not be a named champion. But but like you mentioned, uh, we probably will get an AFCA number one champion, right? We'll probably get a yeah. D3 football poll number one champion. And, and yeah, this is going to be a really weird year. You know, the the rumor that I had been hearing, and, and this is, you know, unconfirmed, but but I've heard from more than one source, has uh, has said that, that the plan for the American Southwest Conference... I think it was to try to to split the conference in two and play basically a round robin schedule with five teams on each side, and then basically those divisions would have champions, and then they'd meet in a championship game. So it'd only be mm-hmm. like a five game season, right? Like it's it's going to be right. a really short season. Which, I mean, to to 
put in all this work and get all this ready and have a five game season is it's pretty tough, right? <laughs> like that's that's pretty yeah. tough. Um, and you know, for you know, we've we've talked about this kid before, but like for kids like Jefferson Fritz, like that sucks, right? Your senior mm-hmm. year, you only get four games. I mean, that that right, kind of right. sucks. Um, I will but, say, like, uh, yeah. when it comes to when it comes to we've always made this argument when it comes to like group of five and things like that. And I think this is going to be an interesting test for when, when you get to sub FBS or sub division one, really um, with the, with division three canceling their games. Like we always talk about, you know, part of the charm of college football is the fact that you don't need to be a champion or a contender to enjoy the sport and to enjoy everything it has to offer. Right. And so like, obviously, you know, a a shortened season of like four or five games sucks for a lot of seniors who were hoping to, you know, make their way, you know, you provide, give film for themselves to maybe play at the next level, whatever that may be NFL, CFL or something. Um, But it is to me an interesting dynamic to see like okay let's see how this goes where there literally is no final championship right how is how do we dissect the game in different ways when there when we know very what very much so um that there is not going to be a number one team per se at the end of the year knowing that you know we go into a lot of group of five seasons knowing that none of those teams are going to compete for to be number one anyway I agree, but but I do think that for a school like Mary Harden Baylor, right, where sure, they've won... right, right, this, this is it's very much a like if the, it's very much a the Texas State fan in me as opposed to like <laughs> right, if I were right. an, if as far as like if I were an Ohio State fan, right? right it's right. like Ohio State's like right. what we don't have a championship, and Texas State's like yeah, who cares, right? Like, but right. Mary Harden Baylor is that level of program that right. that needs to be and deserves to be competing at the high level, and all of a sudden they can't. <laughs> Yeah, and and like I'll I'll be I'll be perfectly clear. Like I am excited as heck to get to see our good friend Landry Gilpin hopefully play some games for Southwestern, right? Like I'm excited but, to see what uh, you know what some of these other what Harden Simmons can do, how they're gonna rebuild after losing you know their quarterback and and two running backs, right? Like there's gonna be mm-hmm. a ton of fun things to watch. Like it, it, this is by no means like a failure <laughs> by any means, you know. But but yeah. obviously for for Mary Harden Baylor specifically, right? And and I'd you know. We haven't heard a decision about uh, Division Two as yet, but I'll, I'll mm-hmm. put sort of Anim Commerce in a similar situation, right? Like, yeah. when you go and win a championship, or in Mary Harden Baylor's case, championships, you hope that, or, like, that's how you measure yourself, right? Like, like mm-hmm. you're sort of measuring yourself from like a transcendent level, right? Like, you're trying to be not just the best in your conference because you've established that. You're trying to be bigger than that. And yeah. and that's the thing that's that's obviously really tough. And again, like that's why I mentioned Jefferson Fritz specifically. Um, you know, that's why I'm, I would mention I can't remember their their offensive lineman's name, but a kid who's been there for four years and was an offensive lineman of the year. Like, you know, these are kids who have gotten to play for national championships, and and after last year especially, you know, their earliest exit in however long, uh, you know, to not get a chance to go back and try to do something about it, especially in in. You know Jefferson's case is last year. I, I think that, that just that's unfortunate, right? But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think one of the things that is interesting too is like, <laughs> you know, for for Division three, you you play Division three football because you love football, right? Like that's mm-hmm. yeah. why kids play Division three football. You know, you're not necessarily getting financial aid. You're not necessarily getting scholarships. Like you're you're showing up because you want to make the football team and you want to play and you want to continue your career, and mm-hmm. um, and from that perspective. 
I mean, just getting getting those five games, right? Like getting a short amount of time. That's that's still everything, right? Like that's still mm-hmm. that's still one last chance to get to put on the uniform, one last chance to get to play in pads, and and you know, hopefully, obviously, hopefully by this time, the biggest thing is that hopefully everything is is safe and relatively back to normal by that point. So so at least they can have that chance to experience their senior year. But it is going to be unfortunate to to not get to see that effort potentially pay off with the, you know, a chance to compete against the nation's best at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so now at this point, um, again, we're sort of in, in a little bit of a scramble mode with, uh, with college football at really all levels, because we're still waiting to see what the power five teams are going to do from a non-conference perspective. We're still waiting to see what the SEC schedule is going to look like. We're still waiting to see, you know, I, I know, for example, Baylor versus Kansas is scheduled to be on September 12th, which is before the season is supposed to open for conference play. You know, there's just so mm-hmm. much left to happen. Is there anything, you know, over the next couple of weeks that you're especially waiting to see or, or waiting to hear before the season gets underway? Ah, <sighs> jeez. Um, I guess I, this is probably just me absolutely having a pipe dream of centralized leadership but (laughs) um (laughs) they're like i just don't see how the ncaa can can't rule i'm trying to figure out a way to word this i guess i'm just stunned at the lack of centralized leadership in all of this right like today the ncaa basically all the ncaa has done is hey just make sure they have their scholarships which cool but like anything else like i don't like there's no like the idea that there's no centralized protocol that there's no i I just wish universities have some or programs would have some guidance right as far as that's concerned um because conferences are being left on their own and i mean until today like literally divisions were being left on their own right um like your your article where you talked you know you, you talked to a lot of uh, sub fbs programs in the state and like you know jesse burleson at harden simmons was basically like ah like, like he was like until again until the ruling about d3 uh championships getting postponed or uh, canceled today came out like a lot of these programs are like yeah i don't know they hopefully we play in the spring or you know we were the ncaa rules something um and this was again this is as early as yesterday where they didn't know anything or this morning where they didn't know anything right, right when you right. dropped the article um and then finally the ncaa comes out and says oh yeah by the way this is all canceled but like i just i, I don't know it's late as it is and it's already way past due but i just hope that like something some more guidance comes out to say like hey here's how to potentially mend this because i get it right certain conferences need have different stipulations and have different needs and 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 uh severities of this outbreak and things like that but i just don't see what the ncaa is there for if there's not (laughs) someone to guide them through situations like this right right and you know i'm i i'm okay with the idea that that sort of week to week you know during a regular college football season the ncaa doesn't need to be too involved but like this is the time right like this is the situation (laughs) like this is this is like if you have this here this is why it exists right Mm -hmm. is is to centralize but but when this sort of situation comes about and when when 
you know, we're waiting and hearing these things and, and nothing useful is coming out. It's hard to counter the argument that people make that the NCAA is only there to prevent student athletes from getting money, you know, because what else are they right. doing? Right. Like, like right. what else? Well actually, well, actually, along that line, uh, news came today from Dan Murphy. The NCAA is about to petition the Supreme Court on a ruling of expanded benefits because uh, I'm trying to find it right here. But 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 as I stall uh, in March 2019, a federal judge rules that the NCAA's restrictions on what schools can provide to student athletes violate antitrust laws. As part of that ruling, Judge Claudia Wilkin ordered that schools should be allowed to provide an unlimited number of benefits to college athletes as long as those benefits are related to education. Right. NCAA always promoting the idea of the student athlete. The NCAA appealed that decision in circuit court and lost earlier that this year. Wednesday's filing indicates that the NCAA intends to appeal to the Supreme Court as well. So, with that said, this is literally a ruling on educational benefits provided by institutions, and the NCAA saying, whoa, hold on. <laughs> We're not agreeing to that much educational compensation. So, literally... I don't know what the NCAA exists for if they're not there to provide uh, guidelines on how to treat student-athletes safely in situations like this, and if they're also fighting back against student-athletes wanting more educational compensation. Well, and, and look, I think that the NCAA is a very easy and convenient boogeyman, right? Like, it, it always is. Mm -hmm. It's easy to sort of say, you know, that, that they're only there for their own purposes, but you got to at least, like, give us plausible deniability, Try. right? Like, you have to, like, at least make an argument that you're doing something other than that. Because, again, the only time that you hear about the NCAA is the Ole Miss-type story, right, where, where mm -hmm. kids are getting paid and, and again— nobody nobody cares right like everybody's right. probably getting a little something something under the table and like it's just not that doesn't change what college football is if anything that's the heritage of college football and yep. and the only other time that you hear about it is like these piecemeal rulings on whether kids can be eligible this year or if they have to wait until next year like that's it I, right what is the point what are we doing here what are what value are we adding here and I don't know. Again, like I said, at some point, if you're Mark Emmer, right, you have to give some plausible deniability that you have a role here other than trying to keep kids from having access to money. Because at this point and, and through this whole situation, I think that we are learning a lot about what the NCAA is not willing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think because, you know, more on the eligibility ruling, you know, that came out today, right? It was like you said. It, it was, it was kind of a half half glass empty full situation, right? Because sure, they ruled that hey, they should be able to opt out for COVID related concerns, right? Awesome, like that. That is in in, in a vacuum. That is a good thing, right? They should be able to uh, scholarships should be offered if student athletes opt out for a season due to COVID concerns. But then they also say that hey, by the way, their eligibility is up to you. And so it's right, like, right. <laughs> it's like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So yes, the student athlete remains on scholarship, but they just lose that year of eligibility. So is COVID a concern to you or not? Right? Because across the board, back in the spring, they basically ruled that, oh yeah, by the way, like we, you know, they're, they're going to let them uh, maintain their eligibility if they want to. But like now they're saying, hey, it's up to you to allocate their eligibility, which I, again, I don't know. It, it 
it's the hands-off, hands-on approach where they control some things arbitrarily and then don't control some things arbitrarily. And yeah, it's it's showing a lot of flaws in the system as far as what the purpose is. Um, and it's making a lot of people who, like you said, who were critics of it in the first place, who who only reference the NCAA as this boogeyman, like it's giving them all the more fuel to the fire. Right. And, and look, I, not that I want to, you know, get into world issues too much, but like we are seeing that the way to perpetuate issues is to pass the buck, right? Is to mm-hmm. for nobody to try to take responsibility uh, for, for mm-hmm. controlling stuff, right? Like we're, we're, we're seeing, you know, this organization, this person doesn't want to do this, so they're going to ask somebody else to do it, and the other person's going to try to push it over here, and the other person's going to push it over here. And eventually, mm-hmm. you... I mean, obviously, we're in a really, really terrible situation. And yeah. ultimately, right, like, if the NCAA were to do all the crazy things that I think that, you know, you and I disagree with, but if they were to say that, but then in situations like this, they came out strong that we need to protect the students, we need to protect the athletes, we need to make sure that everybody's standards are impeccable if we're going to do this, and if not, we have the power to shut this down and we will demand that you not do this, right? If if they came out strong mm-hmm. in this situation, in a lot of ways, I feel like this is a pretty easy win, right? Like, I, I yeah. feel like this is a good opportunity for the NCAA to stand up and be and everybody to see, ah, okay, that's why they're there. But instead... Right. Every single issue that they've had to deal with so far, um, other than, again, other than, uh, you, you know, kids being demanded to keep scholarships, which is obviously a good thing, um, yeah. every single issue they have tried to pass the buck. And like you said, what are they there for if they're not there for this? And and the other thing, too, um, you know, this isn't, this isn't a state of Texas thing, but we're starting to see some really good players opt out of college football already. Micah Parsons yeah. at Penn State, the linebacker, uh, arguably the best linebacker in America. In fact, I, I wouldn't even say arguably. He's the best linebacker in America. Uh, mm-hmm. plays, plays at Penn State. He is not going to play college football next year. He's just going to train for the draft. And he will not be the last one. If, if, you, if you don't feel confident in, in the response, in your safety, I mean, it's, it's going to quickly become, I think, a big issue. And... And look, if we have a lot of high-profile major college football players opt out, uh, especially at some of the big schools and and at some of the national title contender schools, it's it's going to put a real strain on the NCAA to be able to kind of do anything. And the other thing that I'll say is that uh, the NCAA gave a deadline of August 21st to finalize decisions, right? Um, that mm-hmm. gives us 16 days <laughs> for people to figure out whether it is truly feasible for uh, Power 5 and FBS college football to happen this year. And that's that's just not a lot of time. But at the same time, you had months and months and months to, to be able to come up mm-hmm. with these plans. And it's kind of inexcusable that we are talking about eight days before the season is supposed to start is, is when we'll maybe make a decision about when this is happening. I mean, again, it's... We're, we're talking in circles a little bit here, but I think that it's just so yeah. frustrating to to see how far the back the the buck has been passed and how unprepared everybody at this point still looks. Right, and I think like just to for, to finish it off for me, it, we're seeing the players realize that too. Right, they've always been you know players have grown slowly more and more attuned to the fact that the NCAA is 
kind of a Wizard of Oz situation um, where it's like, okay, what's really behind the curtain? But recently, I mean, with the Pac-12 players uh, unity uh, statement that came out, uh, the Big Ten players today released a statement where they're basically saying, hey, what are the standards and the protocols for this season? If we're going to be asked to play... And, and that's the other thing is they're realizing, oh, the reason why we're being asked to play still is because of monetary reasons. What are, one, the protocols, um, and two, our incentive for playing, right? Like, what else, what are you making sure is mandated to make sure that we're going to be safe while we make money <laughs> for you guys? And also, how are we going to be compensated in general? And so you have two conferences um now with players unifying more or less you know i don't know how uh, i think bomani jones reported that uh the pac-12 players uh unification has like 400 players in a group chat like so you know and it stretches like you know football across sports too but um you have players starting to recognize like oh there's a moment here where we have a lot of leeway and it's up to these conferences, but really it's up to the NCAA because the conferences are kind of left to pass the buck because they're like, I, I don't know. Like, we, they don't have guidance either, right? <laughs> and so, like, the Big Ten, their statement, you know, it called out the Big Ten uh, conference, but it, most, it pointed hands at the NCAA as well. And the NCAA just said, yeah, back to the Big Ten. And so it's like a game of hot potato right now. Of who do you blame? Who's this letter to? Who do you petition to correctly get something implemented? Right. And the last thing that I'll that I'll say is that when you look at college football's plan per se for uh, for doing this, mm-hmm. you know, and and you look at it compared to other sports at this point, right? Uh, Cuz we have the uh, the NBA, we have the NHL, uh, we have WNBA. They're all using a bubble format, right? They're all saying you mm-hmm. have to be on this campus. You're not allowed to leave. It's going to be a highly controlled situation. And so far, right. um, you know, we just got new NBA numbers back. Still zero cases, right? Like that's working. Mm-hmm. The issue is take the MLB situation and make it 50 times worse because these kids are going to go to class. Yeah, I was about to say. And they're going to go to parties and they're going to have, you know, it's not just going to be, hey, stay in your hotel room. It's going to be, hey, you physically can't stay in your dorm all the time, right? Like, that's just not an option. That's that's not what being a student is, um, independent mm-hmm. of, of then potentially on top of that making compromising decisions, like not even counting that. Again, it's it's... It's like if the MLB situation was 50 times worse because we've already seen uh, Michigan State and Rutgers, right, are the two places right now that have had massive outbreaks because teams have had get-togethers. And mm-hmm. again, well, today I, Louisville. I don't know if you saw Louisville today. Yes, Louisville. Um, that's right. With yeah. four four athletic te- uh, can't suspended uh, activities, all activities for four athletic teams after 29 cases linked to an off-campus party. Yeah, I mean, look and and. The thing is, it's easy to sort of say, well, what were you guys doing? But, like, these are 110, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds who have to hang mm-hmm. out and, and aren't allowed to, like, see their families or anything, right? Like, right. this is a terrible situation for them. And there's been a lot of talk about the NBA bubble and, like, oh, well, is the food good enough? Well, is, you know, people don't get to see their families. Oh, you know, all, all this sort of stuff. But, like, the reason that it's working is because they are living in, you know, in, in a police state, right? That's that's what it takes. And 
and now you know again if you're if you're not going to have those kind of standards with people who are not being compensated might i add right like if we get in a situation where it's like okay well we have to do this for the power five because of the money but you know we're gonna do a bubble but in in exchange we're gonna give you x amount of dollars that's something that i think can work right like i think that that's something that can work but that's not a real situation that can be considered here because of the nature of college football. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so this is not, I mean, you know, like you said, we've been talking in circles about it just because there's, there's only so many ways to say that it's been clear that centralized leadership is the way that uh, effective measures have been taken and been implemented, right? Like the NC, the NBA and the ML and WNBA, like, that's a perfect microcosm of one globally how this has worked right like right, people right. talk about the, you need you need strict rules to properly do what you want to do in the midst of this and if anything decentralized and individualized rules have been shown to be a sham and ineffective on that note, uh, thanks everybody for for listening to us go in circles. Thanks to everybody for for following us as always. Um, again, we're still waiting, uh, just as everybody else is, to kind of get some more clarity over the next couple of days and weeks. And and look, I'm sure that by the time that we record a podcast next week, everything will be completely different. And uh, you know, <laughs> so more people will move to the spring, and more people will have opted out, and we'll just be you know, it'll just be completely right. different. But uh, but we're gonna stick around right with you to do it. Uh, as always, you can find all of our work at textfootball.com. You can become a subscriber at textfootball.com/slash/subscribe. Even even if the season, you know, whichever one ends up going on in the spring still lots of fantastic information in there that you should definitely get your hands on um you can follow us on facebook dave campbell's text football you can follow us on twitter at dctf uh as always ish thanks so much for joining us and we will talk to you guys again next week